When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Puyol or PK and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy, all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content. Everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. Welcome to the Barcelona Podcast, bringing the hottest breaking stories from the Camp Note. I'm Dan Hilton, as always, joined alongside Frances Tomas across the ocean from London. Thanks again for tuning in. Now this is episode 65 of the Barcelona Podcast. And we'd hope you help us out. If you've got an iPhone, please subscribe via iTunes with an Android. It's Google Play and on Spotify on either device. Five stars is great. And you can also find us on social media at the Barcelona Pod or at HiltonD13 or on Instagram at the Barcelona Pod. Frances, before we get to the bulk of the show, where we actually don't have La Gran Pregunta today, just La Entrevista and La Ronda de Preguntas, but before that, we do have an ad I'd like to read now from Ticket Compare, of course. We all know buying tickets for Barcelona's biggest games isn't easy. The box office sells out instantly, leaving you to endlessly scour the internet. You don't know which websites are trustworthy, or if you're paying over the odds, you wish there was a simpler way. Visit TicketCompare.com, where you can compare tickets from the most trusted vendors. Every vendor comes with expert and consumer reviews so you can have the peace of mind you deserve. You'll never miss El Clasico again. TicketCompare.com, your guide to the best seats in the Camp No. And Frances, for those watching that most recent match against Girona, the 6-1 victory, if you use TicketCompare.com to get a good seat for that one, you certainly got a good match. And Frances, as I'm doing this ad read for our sponsor, Ticket Compare, you and I were talking before we went on air that we're both pretty under the weather. And what I was thinking after watching a guy like Messi yesterday, and he was obviously the man of the match, and we don't need a La Bolsa, he gets all five stars for that one. But with Messi, are those guys ever under the weather, or has Messi ever got a head cold or something? And when he does, 
I, I don't understand how he... I can barely do this read, and yet Messi is just phenomenal all the time, it seems like. Yeah, that's because you and I are weak, or weaker when compared to the greatest game, uh, the greatest player in the world. His game yesterday on Saturday was, as I said, stratospherical, and he's Dios for a reason, right? D. 10 S Dios God in Spanish for a reason. Um, welcome to the Barcelona podcast, guys. Um, in today's show, we've got the pleasure of uh, bringing to you an interview with Roy Nemer. He is a renowned journalist and influencer in social media, very passionate about Argentina and Barca, and that's coming up to you in a second. And after that, we're going to answer all the nearly hundreds of questions we got this week from yourselves, our fantastic, amazing, incredible listeners. The Barcelona Podcast 65 starts right here. And before I throw to La Entrevista, uh, just a little bit of housekeeping. I do want to make mention that it was announced during the Girona broadcast that Paulinho was dealing with a hairline fracture, actually. And if you remember a few weeks ago, he injured his foot and he was dealing with that. And apparently that's what he's been dealing with. And we want to add that, not necessarily correct ourselves from episode 64, where we try to break down the fourth midfielder and we saw Dembele then against Girona, so maybe we were right on that accord, but if you want to talk about Paulinho, Coutinho, Dembele, we talked about that in episode 64 of the Barcelona podcast, so you can check that out, where we try to break down who the fourth midfielder is, and now again, add that little note that Paulinho is dealing with a fracture in his foot and still toughing it out and playing as the fourth midfielder against Chelsea last week. Well, without further ado, though, as we mentioned Messi at the start of the podcast, it's going to be more messy. Here we go with Roy Nemer, an Argentinian football expert who Frances spoke to just yesterday. Right, so it's an honor and an absolute pleasure to be joined by Roy Nemer, uh, the owner of Mundo Aldiceleste, and a very, very renowned, very influential football enthusiast on Twitter and social media. Obviously, his heart is with Argentina first. But um, he's a Barca and Boca Juniors fans. Uh, Roy, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you, thank you for having me. You're too kind, too kind, uh, too kind words. Uh, yes, my heart lays with uh, with Argentina, although uh, Boca and Barcelona are, are right there in it. Right. So, what's the um, Barca passion? Where did that come from? That was well. That came from Riquelme, uh, Juan Roman Riquelme. Uh, so that's sort of I, I. Let me explain this. I was a Boca fan, or was I am a Boca fan. Uh, and the reason why I became a Boca fan was because of Riquelme. I loved him. I loved him as a player. And then when he moved to Barcelona, that's when I started watching him more and more. Uh, because my parents had satellite television growing up. Uh, growing up in Canada, we had satellite television. So, you know, the South American matches we would get, we would get a couple of, you know, Primera matches in Argentina. But it was mostly the bigger European clubs. And I caught glimpses of Riquelme every now and then. And I liked him. And then... When he joined Barcelona, that's when I became a, a like a quote unquote like a full uh, Barcelona fan. Although I did watch Barcelona growing up uh, in in the nineties, um, although I would not have called it my team back then. It wasn't until uh, Riquelme joined that I really started supporting the club. Well, good, 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 good choice. Uh, I think your choice of club <laughs> is really spot on. Um, Riquelme <laughs> was arguably better before he joined us, um, wasn't he? I mean, when he co- came to Barca. He didn't really feel comfortable. How did you feel about his time at Barca? It was difficult. I mean, I was still fairly young when he joined Barcelona, so I didn't know, you know, the the ins and outs, so to speak, of of the game, right? Of the adaptation, different league, different system. Uh, but it was definitely frustrating. It was definitely frustrating, and I wasn't happy because when he joined, I loved him, and when he joined Barcelona, he started playing. But you know, he played in a different position. Van Gaal played him on the wing a little bit. 
And I was frustrated. I'd watch him like, this is not the Rikalmi. I know what's going on. What is this? And I became frustrated. Um, and like you said, you know, he ultimately played better football before joining Barcelona. And, you know, ironically enough, once he left and he joined uh, Villarreal, he played better there as well. Um, I think he was one of the players that, uh, how could I put this? I, I, I'm not, I'm very biased when it comes to him. So it's not that I don't want to blame him during his time at Barcelona. <laughs> Although, it's not that I don't want to blame him <laughs> uh, or that I'm defending him. But I feel like uh, a lot of the blame fell down to the coach back then. And the, the club as a whole wasn't in the best of situations back then either. either. No, it really, really wasn't. Um, I remember the Van Gaal years as the dark years. You know, we we went a horrendous yeah. team in terms of results, but it just wasn't the way that fans wanted Barca to play. And players of um, Riquelme and Stacha, they were in the club, uh, but they weren't really developed very well or trusted. Now, talking about this season and uh, talking about teams that are sort of developing, Barca did very well on Saturday against Girona with a 6-1 win. Um, what did you think of the game? I thought it was a good game. I thought uh, beginning was uh, was very, very tricky. I, Ter Stegen came off to a rocky start at, at, the, at first. Although the team played well, they responded quickly. Uh, Suarez, I was very, very happy with, uh, with Coutinho. I thought Rakitic played one of his better matches of the season as well. Um, I was excited when I saw the lineup. Uh, you know, Leo, Suarez, Coutinho, Dembele... Uh, even Samedo at one point, you know, he, he played really, really well as well. Uh, it was a good game. It was solid, although I would have preferred, uh, you know, a, a lot more changes come halftime. Maybe take PK out slightly earlier, even give Leo a rest, rest him a little bit. Because, you know, at halftime it was what? It was 3-1, 3-1 or 4-1. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was no need to, to keep them on uh, on the pitch for much longer. But uh, it was an ent- entertaining match. Uh, Hinona, uh, you know, they... The way they played, the formation, it, it really suited Barcelona, you know, given a lot of space. Very, very different in contrast to the match that was played uh, in Girona, well, at their stadium anyways. So uh, yeah, I, thought, I thought the style suited Barcelona a lot more, a lot better. And the players just clicked. You know, the goals, uh, you talk about Leo's free kick, then you have Suarez scoring a nice one, Coutinho as well. Uh, it, was, it was very, very entertaining. Team is slowly peaking, I think, at the right time of the season as well. That's brilliant. And you did mention Piquet there in passing. Um, my heart sort of sunk when he started touching his knee and he basically went on the floor and kept complaining. Um, him being himself sort of went out, got a little bit of medical attention and came back on. Um, what was your feeling at that time? Because clearly he's been nursing this injury or surviving this injury for the best part of a month now. And uh, he got sapped in the end. But what do you make of the whole situation? I thought, I mean, I, I thought he should not even have started. Uh, as I mentioned, he did start, obviously, and uh, like I said, he should have been subbed off at halftime. When I saw him go down holding his knee, like yourself, my heart sank because he's he's the rock, you know. He's Umtiti's been playing excellent this season. Don't get me wrong, I'm not taking anything away from the Frenchman. He's been playing amazing, very, very good. But Piqué has that experience. He's, in my opinion, the glue that holds that back line together. And when I saw him go down, it's like, oh, no, not now. You know, not not in February, not with the second leg coming up, not with the matches coming very very fast. We don't need this. You know, we have we have the the, the point advantage in the league. Let's use it to our advantage. Let's let's rest him. Don't play him uh, today. Don't play him against. I believe we're playing Las Palmas next, and then after that is Atletico. 
you know, rest him for today, rest him for Las Palmas, and then play him for Atletico. And when he went down, it was a very, very scary feeling. Um, Vermeulen came on. Would you have preferred Mina to do that? Yeah, I'm uh, very happy with Vermeulen. I uh, I trolled him a little bit at the beginning of the season. And even uh, when we went at the, at the Bernabeu, I said, uh, if you would have told me that we would uh, win at the Bernabeu with Vermeulen and Paulinho starting, I would have called you crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's done very well this season. And he's shown that you know when when he's not injured, if when he could stay fit, he's a hell of a defender. And uh, he's been playing very, very well. I thought when he went down with an injury with a knock a couple of weeks back, that one hurt the team a little bit because, like you said, we need that depth. We need we, we need everyone available. We need absolutely everyone available, especially in this in this time of the season. And uh, him coming back, getting, I believe it was 20 minutes or so when he came on for PK, that's good. I fully expect him to start against Las Palmas and depending on, on PK's injury, maybe even uh, against Atletico. Well, hopefully, hopefully we can have PK fit for the, for the games that actually matter. And even the one against Atletico, I would say, you know, it is relative the importance of Piquet playing that one um, because of the advantage we got in La Liga. Obviously, if we win against Atletico, then that, that's the title pretty much decided. And um, at the Barcelona podcast, we're very cautious, but let's face it, if we can get the three points against them, then it's pretty much a done deal. Uh, you can never know until it's mathematically finished, but you know what we're meaning here. And talking about someone who is absolutely on fire... Your friend Lionel Messi seems to be quite good, right? <laughs> He's not too bad, huh? He's not too bad. No, I, uh, <laughs> I think we can both agree on that. I, listen, there's not much we could say about Leo that has not already been said. Uh, ridiculous and absolute joke of a player. In my opinion, the, the greatest I've ever lived. And I know a lot of people listening to this, uh, at least the Argentina fans might say, no, it's Maradona, but... Uh, that's for another topic for another day. Messi's just, he's a complete player at the moment, uh, especially since uh, Xavi left the club. You know, him and Iniesta have sort of picked up the slack and I would say more so more so Messi. Uh, he's dropping back, he's playing deeper, he's playing as a midfielder, he's playing as a winger, he's he's passing, he's creating, he's scoring, he's, he's Messi. He's incredible, isn't he? Um, what can you tell us about that free kick? <laughs> that free kick? Oh my God, right away. I... Oddly enough, I, I, for some reason, I thought the first free kick, I thought he would get that in and miss the second. And then obviously I was, I was wrong. It was the opposite. Um, it was, I, I would think they studied something on the free kicks because even on the first one, he didn't go too, too high. He tried to aim it low. And I don't know if that's something that they were working on in training or something that maybe Valverde and the staff told them in terms of the set piece against Girona, in terms of going lower and maybe not as high. Uh, but it was genius. It was brilliant so to speak of sliding it under the wall i don't think anyone was was expecting that no. and uh it was incredible not the first time he's done it in his career he did it for argentina back in i believe it was 2012 against uruguay in the world cup qualifiers and uh that was equally as uh, as nice it really is magic i mean i i agree with what you're saying like, there isn't anything else we can say like honestly one of the hardest part of the podcast is talking about messy week in week out <laughs> and to be honest, we feel bad sometimes because we're sort of saying, right, this is the best player ever. We need to make him, we need to make him justice every single week. But it's just we just repeat ourselves every week, and uh, it's like this season he's not even dipping, and uh, he has been involved in some rotation here and there. But no, his his form is spot on every single week. And talking about someone who always gives his best, 
Mascherano is no longer with us, is he? How do yeah. you feel about that? Heartbroken, sad. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a big Mascherano fan. I'm a very big Mascherano fan. But it was, it was time. And it was time for him to leave as much as it pains me and hurts me to say it. And you know what? Credit to him. Uh, because I don't, I don't know many players of his age and what they've accomplished in their career to be at a club like Barcelona and to leave halfway through the season because of lack of playing time. You know, a lot of them might have given a little bit of attitude and said, you know, I'm, I'm the veteran, I'm supposed to play more or cause problems in the locker room. But, you know, Mashano is not that kind of player. And respect to him for ultimately deciding to leave and, and get to get playing time, although I'm not sure if China was the, the best move for him. But uh, the money never hurts. <laughs> no, and, and that's, that's the key, isn't it? I mean, Iniesta yeah. seems to, we don't know this for sure, but all the Catalan media are reporting that Iniesta's got a 35 million euros per season offer to go to China. Um, do you think he should take it? No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he doesn't, uh, listen, looking from, from the outside, of course, 35 million is, is an insane amount of money. I would take it right now. I would move to, to anywhere in the world for that money. Uh, <laughs> and then we're very subjective, right? We say, well, but these players have more than enough money. They could retire right now and their kids can retire and their grandkids could retire. But at the same time, that is an incredible amount of money. That's 35 million. Incredible. Uh, if I were him, I would leave in about five seasons when we know there's absolutely nothing more he could give yeah, well, and then go take that 35 million in China for one season. When he's 67 years old, then we may, <laughs> we may let him do it. We may let him do it. Um, we you, may let him do it. You mentioned El Diego in passing earlier and you did say it's for another day, but actually I had it um, as something that I wanted to ask you and you did bring it up. So... What is your what is your opinion on Maradona at Barca? Oh, well, that was similar to maybe in, in a different way, but fairly similar to Riquelme's time in the sense of the club wasn't in the best of situations either, mm-hmm. and we didn't get to see the best of of Diego at Barcelona. Um, he scored some very nice goals, had some nice plays and whatnot, but ultimately it, it didn't go down well. A lot of injuries, uh, fighting hepatitis and whatnot. And it wasn't until, sadly, like Riquelme, until after he left Barcelona, that we saw the genius that uh, that was in him. I would have loved to have seen Maradona stay much, much longer at, at Barcelona than he did. Uh, just for me, to, at least, to look back and, and watch the matches and have him win more than he did at the club. Uh, because I really feel like when people talk about Barcelona, and this is the Argentina side of me that's very, very biased, but when people talk about Barcelona, they'll, and rightfully so, they'll talk about Messi, they'll talk about Ronaldinho, Rivaldo, Romario, but, and then Cruyff, obviously. But I feel like Maradona, the talent was there and he should be spoken of highly in that regard. Mm-hmm. But because of the problems that were going on back then, we got robbed of seeing you know, the genius and, and one of the greatest players that ever lived mm-hmm. uh, really fulfill and reach his potential at the club. Yeah, I agree. I, I definitely agree. I mean... I was younger at the time. Um, I was alive, but I wasn't following Barca. Um, <laughs> You're not that old. <laughs> no, I, I am. I am. I am. I was. I was alive, and um, I was sort of going to the camp now in the next two years. So you can work out my age then. But um, yeah, I couldn't understand what what he was doing at the time. And uh, looking back, yeah, you could say that he could have given the club a little bit more. Um, and on that topic as well. You've got Messi, obviously, best player ever, as you mentioned before. But do you think he gets enough credit from the Argentinian fans? 
Do you mean in terms of credit as a career or credit in terms of his Barcelona career or Argentina career or just Argentina in general? Argentina career. Because I think the Barca career uh, is quite clear. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, I think there, a lot of fans are slowly turning around on, on the team. Uh, back then, and when I say back then, back in around, I'll say 10 years ago, when Barcelona won the Club World Cup against uh, Estudiantes and he scored the winning goal in, in extra time. A lot of Argentina fans, and not, it wasn't only Estudiantes fans, but just Argentina fans in general, were very, very angry against him and how he celebrated and, and everything. And he got a lot of blame, especially in 2010 at the World Cup, uh, you know, infamously not scoring a single goal, uh, which was not for lack of trying. And people love a scapegoat. People like to blame players and people like to point the finger and blame the top players. Uh, whether, to, you know, to do the comparison a little bit, you go to the NBA, if, if the Cavaliers never won, who would they blame? Mm -hmm. LeBron James. Absolutely. And it's the same thing now. Yeah, it was the same thing with, with Argentina as well. If they don't win, who do they blame? Messi. And I, I think that sort of changed slightly in 2014 when they reached the, the final. I think he got hurt a little bit uh, by the fans in you know 2015, 2016 when he lost. And the fans sort of, or some of them, turned on him in 2016 after he retired. But people saw later on what Argentina was without Leo when he's not there. And I'm talking even recently in the friendly match against Nigeria. He wasn't there and people saw what it was. And they realized how much he brings to the team, what he brings to the team. And uh, it's, it's incredible to think that at one point in time, he was not only underappreciated by Argentina fans, but even hated on by Argentina fans. Yep. Yeah. And, and from a Barca perspective, I cannot really even begin to comprehend how the reaction would be like that. But then again, Argentina is a very passionate country and, you know, they had their reasons to think that whether we like it or not at Barcelona, he wasn't always performing as well for Argentina as he was for Barca. So I definitely... Definitely see that. Now, moving forward to the summer, is Messi finally going to leave the World Cup for his country? My heart says yes. My brain says I have no idea. Okay. I have no idea. I take a look at this team. I take, I take a look at this team. I'll tell you something, though. Uh, 2014, I, uh, I predicted Germany-Argentina final. Okay, well done. I, from the start of the tournament, I said, day one, Argentina-Germany final, and I really thought Argentina would win. And obviously, it did not happen. Uh, this time around, I have no idea. I see this team crashing out in the group stages. And at the same time, I see this team somehow managing to reach the final. Uh, it's, it's very difficult. Sampaoli has a very difficult job ahead of him in terms of getting these players to gel, in terms of integrating proper players, getting the system he wants, getting the team to play how he wants. And, you know, you don't have much time to do that at a World Cup. You get, I think, what is it, two or three weeks of preparation beforehand. And it also depends on the knockout stages. Assuming Argentina makes it out of the group and into the second round, they could potentially face France in the second round. And France is one of, one of the contenders, definitely. Yep. And if they don't face France, I was looking at, yeah, I was looking at the bracket. And um, they, uh, I think they would face uh, Spain... Uh, Germany and then potentially Brazil all in the knockout stages yeah. so they definitely do not have an easy uh, road to the final should they want to reach it No, no, and obviously to win the World Cup same as to win any tournament you're going to find very difficult rivals on your way and the thing is Argentina has something that no one else has and that's Leo Messi 
uh, in a hungry state because let's face it, if he doesn't win it this time round, it is really unlikely that he will go on in four and a half years time and do it. So it's not the last chance, I don't think, but it's certainly the last time that you're going to have Messi at his peak going for that. Now, final question then. Do you think Messi is going to start his World Cup campaign with a triplete under his belt? I think so. I think so. I think uh, the Copa del Rey will definitely win. I think they'll win the Copa. Uh, La Liga, I'll be cautiously optimistic and say uh, it's it's won or will be won in the next couple of weeks. And the Champions League is the big one. I will be, I'll be attending the second leg against Chelsea in Barcelona. Oh, wow. My first time at the stadium, first time at, yeah, first time at the Camp Nou, so I'm definitely looking forward to that. Lucky you. And uh, I feel like, yeah, <laughs> yes, definitely. I'm very, very happy about that. Very happy about that first time there. Uh, hopefully it's a great experience and with, uh, with a great result on top. But uh, I, I think the team is speaking at the right time. I would have loved to have uh, Coutinho available for the Champions League just because I feel like he adds a different dimension to the team. Not only in terms of his passing, but in terms of his uh, goal-scoring abilities as well, which we saw against uh, Girona today. And uh, with that said, even without Coutinho, I feel like the team has it has it in them, has it more than in them uh, to get the triplete. And and uh, and hopefully Leo goes on and wins the World Cup in uh, in the summer. Well, yes. <laughs> let's, do, let's do just that. <laughs> well, there's not much more. Hopefully, I, you know, <laughs> that give, would be give great. Give me the contract. I'm signing on the dotted line right now. Um, Roy, that's the end of our interview today. <laughs> that's all the time we've got. Um, where can our followers see your work online? Uh, yeah, uh, at, uh, I'm on Twitter. On Twitter at uh, Roy Nemer, R-O-Y-N-E-M-E-R. And uh, also website at uh, mundoalbiceleste.com. That's mundoalbiceleste.com. You could have it on my Twitter profile. Amazing. Well, we're going to put that on the show notes as well so that um, if you're listening to the pod now, just go on your iPhone or whatever you're listening to your podcast and the links are just there. Roy, un placer tenerte con nosotros. Uh, muchas gracias, muchas gracias. Thanks again to Roy Nemer for joining the Barcelona podcast. And Frances, there's so many little things and details about Maradona and you look at how he compares to Messi. Messi is this not necessarily a larger-than-life character off the pitch. He may be this character on the field, but off it, he really just does have a very normal life, if you will. Meanwhile, Maradona is the complete opposite. Every single story about Maradona just is another detail and another just absurdity about this larger-than-life man, this larger-than-life character that is not only a legend on the field, but somehow the older he gets seems to be more of a legend off the field as well. Yes, uh, although the stories coming out of Maradona beyond the football pitch are always great. But I think that I agree with Roy. We need to keep the positives out of Maradona's fantastic career, although it's clear that we're always going to favor Messi. But then again, they're not in direct competition. They're just two very good footballers who made Argentina better. Yeah, and I think we might actually have to bring Roy back during the World Cup when Messi really does wind up coming to the stage left and it has the spotlight on him in Russia for 2018 and that means it's also time for la ronda de preguntas we've got a few questions across all of our platforms first we head to facebook Bizwazit asked dear admins which of course that you and i Frances, i have a question to ask we are pretty dominant in la liga be it home or away we can stay to come back and turn the tide in our favor but what happens to us in the champions league why can't we dominate teams away from home it was evident in the group stages against juventus olympiacos and sporting and most recently against chelsea why can't we break opposing teams down? After all, it's the same bunch of players that can do the job so easily at home, but not away from home. 
Well, we need to consider the fact that Champions League is the pinnacle of football, a European club football for, for sure. Um, it is really important to know as well that it's the same players that know that every mistake they make is going gonna, is gonna to make them pay. Um, and so the away matches, particularly when they're away from the Camp Nou under the first leg of a knockout stage, you always need to go into, you know, not necessarily being cautious, because then again we're Barca, but knowing that you can get punished and every tiny little thing can, can be against you. Once the second leg comes back, uh, the Camp Nou, so it is important to know that it's 180 minutes, not 90, and knowing that, you know, in front of your home fans at the Camp Nou, you've got a far better chance, the pitch is wider, you've got more spaces, and that's what you need to take into account, really. Yeah, I'd also say with the two legs, Barcelona know how important that away goal was against Chelsea. And again, because of the level of competition you're playing against, getting that coveted away goal can make it much easier at home. And we even saw last year against PSG in the Champions League, when things get wide open as it did in that first leg, you can put yourself in a deep, deep hole and really put yourself out of the tie where the second leg, when you're back at home, doesn't matter. So getting... Being compact, playing well on the road, and just getting that pivotal away goal means that if that game opens up at home, then Barcelona can really take it to Chelsea at home in front of their own crowd at the Camp Nou. And that's where you get the results. And speaking of the Camp Nou, from Instagram, we've got a question from Anshul Didiata. What are your thoughts on the naming rights of the Camp Nou? Do we really need to change the name for some extra bucks? And Frances, I think it's almost naive to say that money isn't really, really important in world football. And while you look across the rest of Europe, a lot of those big clubs, whether it's the Etihad Arena, whether it's the Mercedes-Benz Arena, whatever it may be, to me, it's not that big of a deal. I think you can still, as a fan or a Kool-Aid, call it the Camp No, but even if it's going by a different name that's a sponsored name, again, it's more money in the pocket and it's going to help bring in better players. And I'd rather take trophies than worry about calling it the Camp No, which if we remember the history, the Camp No was almost an accidental name. It just means the new camp, and that's a a nickname that Kool-Aid's called it when it was established in the late 50s, early 60s, and it just stuck. So for me, it was almost an accident of a name, and it's okay if it's nicknamed something else, I think. Yeah, I agree. I think it depends as to what's more important to you, tradition or actually being competitive. Um, As you said, the Camp Nou all comes from the 1950s, and it wasn't a name that we wanted to have, but it sort of stuck with, with the people, and we've continued to have it for the last... 70 to 80 years now um also it's all about knowing where you're going to go in the future if you want to be competing with real madrid bayern munich uh, Manchester united etc you need to sacrifice something barca were one of the last clubs to have um, a sponsor on the shirt it was unicef which then again we actually paid money to unicef to to do that but that was a way into qatar now qatar foundation was (laughs) <laughs> don't want to sound too harsh but was a little bit of a cheat in order to get Qatar Airways later on Qatar Foundation seemed to be a charity or was dressed within the namings of a charity but I don't think it necessarily was and then Qatar Airways came um, I'm happy that Qatar are not part of the Camp Nou or Barca anymore and Rakuten seems to be a sponsor that sort of aligns with Barcelona's values but more importantly with the modern world today and, and where we want to be as a club and I think the same thing applies to the name of the stadium. I'd rather not have it, but if it gives you half a Coutinho, then it should be worth it. 
Yeah, so we agree there. Now, let's head over to Twitter. Devesh asked, should Barca line up as same as a Girona game except Coutinho, or should they go with a much defensive approach against Chelsea? Now, this again in about two weeks' time. Would you go all out on that? And for me, I don't think that Dembele is going to be selected to maybe start that Chelsea game, but I've heard that it could even happen. And Malverde is really, it's going to depend on whether or not he can find his footing, which we saw in the second half against Girona. He did have a little more rhythm, wasn't making as many mistakes, wasn't being as costly with the ball. But to me, it it all matters about Dembele. It is important to know that Valverde always looks back at what's taken Barca here and what has taken Barca to this successful point in which we can challenge for all three titles is the 4-4-2 and his players like Paulinho and even Andre Gomes at times um, but we discussed that all in a previous episode that's tvpod.link forward slash 64 and I strongly recommend you go back to listen to that one. Um, in terms of Dembele, I think he would be a great addition around the 60th to 65th minute once we've tired our rivals out but um, I do see us qualifying but it's certainly not going to be an easy task. Stefano asks, can Las Palmas become a trap game for Barca with Alba purposely getting a yellow and other starters likely to get rested before the Atletico match? For me, Las Palmas, though, the trap games for Barca have been like Hatafe, where teams all park the bus. And since Paco Hamed took over for Las Palmas, they've been playing much more wide open. They're still in the relegation zone, and they really have been playing very poorly recently in the last two, three weeks. But they did have a little stretch last month where they seemed to be making a, a sudden surge when Paco Hamed came in. That said, I think this game is going to be pretty wide open, and I don't think it is it constitutes a normal trap game like a Leganes or a Hatafe where teams are all going to get behind the ball. I totally agree. Paco Hamed, similarly to Kike Setien, um, are two coaches that like to push forward and because well, we've got more quality when spaces are tightened up at the back we normally take advantage so I think that again we can't take it for granted but that should be another three points um, given our quality and our budget as a club to be honest and we remember the last time they played against Las Palmas it was on of course that notorious day where there was no fans in the stadium so this is going to be the first time they played Las Palmas this year with an actual crowd and they they played them in the Canary Islands Jose Maratoya asked, do you think media putting more pressure on Dembele is a bad thing? Papers covers mentioned him saying, this is your time, etc. And he's really, this is a question again, Francesca is asking, is there too much pressure on Dembele? Yes, I mean, of course, there has to be though. Um, he's a player that costs in excess of 100 million euros and he hasn't delivered pretty much anything in the last six, seven months. So undoubtedly, that's going to be pressure. Um, I totally understand that we want to ease the pressure off his shoulders and the most demanding person in this whole situation is probably Dembele himself. But I think it comes with the job. You know, you are a Barca player. Let's face it, pretty much everyone here in this podcast would have loved to be in that position to play in the Camino themselves. And yeah, you know, it's a job that comes with a lot of responsibility and he needs to step up to make things happen. Now, obviously, that doesn't necessarily mean that I want him to be scoring hat-tricks tomorrow morning. But that has to be the target at some point. I think denying that is not being faithful to what the truth actually is. Yeah, I think you can expect a lot of him while being supportive. And I really liked, I even tweeted it, that the camp know you could hear them over the broadcast. Every time he touched the ball, they were cheering him, not jeering him. So you can be supportive of him while expecting a lot of the player. And I I think that that is something that Dembele has to navigate himself. Bullseye asked, I don't remember a single week from this season when one of our key players wasn't injured. So why are things going wrong when it comes to fitness? 
Valverde's player rotation seems to be wonderful, but is he unable to manage the work rate of players individually? And I, I, I don't know. I think it could just come down to just an unlucky season. And fortunately for Barcelona, though, a lot of their key, key players, such as Messi and Suarez, who was playing with injury earlier in the year, and Iniesta haven't really had to miss much time, Busquets as well, due to injury. That's precisely what I was going to say. I really don't think... And, you know, I'm going to say this and then everything's going to go pear-shaped after that, isn't it, as always. But I really don't think it's been a bad season for injuries. Um, Messi has been healthy. Suarez was a little bit unhealthy at the beginning of the season, but he's progressively gotten better. Um, I think our key players have escaped pretty well. I mean, let's, let's be honest. These are players that are training every single day. They're traveling hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of miles over the season. Um, just to play for the club, but also the country, don't forget. And I think that whenever we've needed it, the vast majority of us, of our key star players have been available. And I really do hope that that continues to be the case for the rest of the season. From one of our Patreons, of course, Busek Weber, we always thank him and the rest of our Patreons for their contribution. And also a reminder that if you want to get some of the content earlier, particularly this interview with Roy Nemmer, if you want to get that even earlier, you become one of our Patreons. As low as $3 can get that done. Anyway, thank you for Busek Weber, and here's your question. Is Dembele too casual, careless with the ball, such as, as he calls him, Snakemar, or, of course, meaning Neymar, was when he joined? Is he need some more maturity to make sure he keeps possession? Yes, I mean, yes, I, I agree at times. But the thing is, as we've said several times, I think Dembele is learning. Um, he's only been fit for, what, a total of five weeks, if that, since he joined us in the summer and he's 20 years old. Um, undoubtedly, he needs to become more mature and it, that comes with times. Now, we're not talking about a player who should be playing in the middle of the park and basically can adapt very easily. This is someone who needs to be restaking pretty much the whole time. The expectation is that Dembele takes players on one-on-one and then sort of knows when to drive towards the byline or move back, and that, that takes time. I mean, of course, he's played for Borussia Dortmund, he played in France before that, but playing at Barca is a completely different ball game, and it all takes some getting used to. And, you know, let's not forget as well, Messi himself doesn't necessarily have a position, which means that he's everywhere at any given time. And that needs to some adaptation as well. So undoubtedly, a player that hasn't been playing for that long will have to get adapted. And I don't think it's got to do with maturity. It needs to do with understanding. I think he's a little bit of a different player too. He His his instinct, I think, is the pass first. We saw his assist to Suarez was pretty nice as well. And he, had, he was second on the team from the Girona match in key passes as well. So, I mean, those are just stats that he's going to build into that. And I think he is more of a pass-first guy that he's been wasteful so far dribbling on his own. But Valverde's going to want his winger, particularly in Dembele, who is, you'd have to say, the only out-and-out natural winger even on the roster. Coutinho is not that. He operates in the middle of the field as well. And so Dembele being the, the high-profile out-and-out winger, he's going to be expected to go one-on-one. And it's going fi- to take some time for him to find his footing again. Just want to add a little bit of a point on that as well. Um, if there is a winger who has been trained the Barca away throughout the years, that's Gerardo Lufeo. And we all know how effective the Lufeo was when he was asked to do the Dembele job. Uh, you know, he didn't quite know when to attempt to dribble. He didn't quite know when to move back. And he wasn't always able to even read the tempo of the game. So that is someone who has played for Barca with that precise system for the last, what, 12, 13 years? And he couldn't crack it. So we need to be patient. But obviously Dembele has the quality and all the skills and the eagerness in order to succeed. And as Dan said earlier, 
similar to the Kamno crowd, we need to be behind him and support him. Last question of the day. Sakandar asked, why have Barcelona never shown an interest in Eden Hazard? Surely he'd be a better fit at Barcelona than someone like Griezmann. And I remember a few years ago, Frances, that there were some rumors linking them, but for Hazard, he's going to cost $200 million at least. I think he's going to be, he's in the next bracket up to the price that Griezmann is. I think Griezmann is a much discounted player. It's a very interesting question, and I have wondered that sometimes, but I think that, as for as far as I can remember, from the Madrid press, it's always been Hazard to Madrid, Hazard to Madrid, at least for the last, I would say, even five, six years. And no, it hasn't really been a matter of Barca sort of being linked to the player. And I don't quite understand why, because I do agree with what our listener is saying, but I think Griezmann will be a great addition, and I'm sure that you know, in the coming months, we'll be talking about Griezmann to Barca much more. And I, to be honest, I want to make a little point here. I am delighted that we're not focusing on next year's signings yet. We're still going for this season and challenging for the treble, which is exactly where we want it to be. I agree with all that. Makes sense. And those are two quality players. I don't think you can go wrong with either. But that sums up another Barcelona podcast. Frances and I, you and I, somehow eight hours away, we were both under the weather, but we got through it. And again, this is an edited show, so you can't hear what it sounded like the first time with all of our coughing and gagging and sneezing and nose blowing, but we got through it. And again, we want to thank all of our listeners for sticking with us for another edition of the Barcelona podcast, bringing the hottest freaking stories from the Camp No. And until next time, we'll talk to you soon in Barca Barca. Barca. Barca.